Hi, Char Beauchart here. Like me, you obviously listen to podcasts. You're learning, and that's a good thing, but are you also earning ASHA CEUs as you listen? Newsflash, SpeechTherapyPD.com is offering a new discounted annual podcast subscription, and you need to take advantage of it. SpeechTherapyPD.com is the leader in speech-language pathology podcasts. They produce over 16 new podcasts with great topics, including ethics, every month. Listen to Speech Uncensored, First Bite, SLP Now, as well as the Speech Link. Here's what you do. Go to SpeechTherapyPD.com, access the podcast subscription, and at checkout, enter my special discount code to get a full $20 off. Instead of $79 per year, you pay just $59 and listen to as many as you want. Here's the code. Are you ready? Speech 20. Speech 20. That's it. Choose from over 175 hours of on-demand pod courses and get practical information and your CEUs. <laughs> it's absolutely a no-brainer. Welcome to The Speech Link. I'm your host, Char Beauchart, and I invite you to listen and learn practical strategies from experienced experts to take your therapy to the next level. We are living in tenuous times, especially with the uncertainty of COVID-19. And for some of us, kids included, it comes with stress. For our children, stress may be manifested in several ways, mostly emotionally and behaviorally but also in thumb or finger sucking, etc. And like eating, it's oral oriented. My guest today can be summed up in a few kind words written by a grateful client of hers. Dr. Tricia has been an amazing resource for our son. Not only is she passionate and knowledgeable, she has a heart of pure gold and is able to make a child feel comfortable and capable throughout the journey. We love her and appreciate her exceptional service. <laughs> Grab a pencil and paper. Here we go. Today, my guest is Tricia Rogers, MSCCC. She is a highly qualified speech language pathologist. For three decades, she's specialized in developmental and sensory motor speech sounds, as well as pursued advanced study in the assessment and treatment of oral facial myofunctional disorders in school aged children and adults. Tricia is a member of the IAOM the International Association of Oral Facial Myology, and the AOMT, the Academy of Oral Facial Myofunctional Therapy. In addition, she's worked in a variety of settings with a variety of children and disorders. She's worked in the public schools as well as an inclusive preschool called Early Head Start. But for the past 22 years, Tricia has operated her own thriving private practice in Beaverton, Oregon, where she specializes in oral facial myofunctional disorders and speech sound disorders. For quality and continuity of care, she frequently collaborates with physicians, orthodontists, dentists, and other professionals. After getting to know Tricia over these past few months, I would say that she is definitely the quintessential therapist's therapist. Welcome to the speech link, Tricia. Thank you, Char. I'm so happy to be here with you. Me too. Thank you. Oh yeah. I am so excited about this. I think it's really going to be practical for a lot of people. Uh, in general, we do know that some children suck their thumb or fingers or even a pacifier or suck their tongue beyond what is considered to be normal and then into what is considered to be a habit. Mm -hmm. All right, getting to the point here, in today's tenuous lifestyle with COVID-19 quarantines and all the safety measure, measures and stuff that we do, would you say that children are even more at risk for those types of, I'm going to say, oral stress-induced habits? What, what do you think? Absolutely, Char. I know that I've gotten calls from more parents calling about dealing with the oral habits. There've been relapses. Uh, even friends are talking about, uh, gosh, my kids are biting their nails or like what is going on? So absolutely. And we know that sucking, let's, we'll just for sucking thumb, we know that mm -hmm. it's a stress reliever and children can become emotionally and even chemically dependent upon it. Because hmm. when we went sucking, it 
releases these beta endorphins. And it's a chemical that's very powerful and it's very calming. And it attaches to these receptors in our brains, which is located in the pleasure center. And so it's a chemical reaction that's pleasurable and it's just and, and almost addictive like. Yeah, probably like me with chocolate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because we all have our, our level of addictions, don't we? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Like eating, that can be. And certainly during this COVID time, I've gained a little weight here. So, you know, for kids, what are some of the things that our kids are doing or relapsing? What's happening? So you're saying sucking their thumbs, sucking their fingers. What, what else is happening, would you say? So also nail biting. And that's another one of them that is really, it's happening to adults and kids. And one of the hmm. things too, that is important, especially right now is we are told to wash our hands. We're told to keep our hands out of our face. We definitely need to keep the fingers out of the mouth. Wow. And yeah. yes. And some of the calls I'm getting from parents are it's like, I've been, you know, wanting to take care of this, but now with this virus going around, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm starting to also believe that although thumb sucking in the schools, it's not an academic specific concern, although it can be difficult if kids are be made fun of and that piece. But as far as academic, but we need these kids when it's possible for them to go back to school, they need to be there and they need to be healthy. And so that has been my thought about the kids when and if they're able to go back to school. Yeah, because it's not going to just for some kids magically stop. No. By the time when you're past age five, it becomes more like the habit that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like kids will want to stop, but they just actually can't without some intervention Okay, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. There's so many different directions we could go. And let's kind of go back and talk about causes and then we'll talk about consequences. And then I'm thinking, you know, we need to get into some, you know, remediation techniques for therapists to work with parents and directly with working with parents. Right. So what are some of the causes and take us through this kind of the history of thumb sucking and so on, if you will, Uh, because I know that when I've worked with kids, the kids that sucked their thumb in utero or their fingers in utero were just really like stuck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They had a really hard time um, extinguishing that behavior. We're talking about those kids, yes, during our time here with the COVID situation, but also I bet there are children that are starting to do that, maybe initiating that as a coping mechanism. So tell me about causes and so on, on on those particular fronts, if you will. Yes. Well, so we definitely know when there's a stressor in the life, something that happens, whether it happens at school that stresses out the kiddos. There's a divorce that happens, um, any kind of trauma, losing a parent, moving, any of these uh, issues can cause a child or someone to start sucking their thumb. Mm-hmm. So that we are in the midst of a, a big stressor. Parents are stressed. The kids can feel it. They're stressed. They can't see. They haven't been to school. So there's a big stressor in general with things being just not normal for them. Right. So that is what happens. Kids will do it if they're bored. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times there, there's that piece. I think that the boredom comes from already having had the tendency with it or, or sucking their thumbs in pacifiers when they were younger. And, and they just, well, they'll just say, I'm just, I do it because I'm bored. Ah. Well, it's really more when they say bored, I really think it's more that they just can't stop because they've been doing it for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, There is an emotional piece to it most often. Yeah. Well, our everyday life has changed a lot and I'm hoping that it goes back to the way that it was, but I don't know when that's going to happen or now, even if. Correct. So we're looking at stress, anxiety, depression, and certainly that manifests 
differently for all of us. Right. But you're going to have these kids that it manifests by something oral. Mm -hmm. And I've always looked at that like you have sucking your thumb, sucking your fingers, even tongue sucking. Yes. You know, and I've seen individuals. I even had a woman, a parent come through. Um, you know, she was in her 20s that, yes, she sucked her thumb. And her husband came with her mm -hmm. and said, wow, what can we do? He was probably more concerned about it than she was. So it, it manifests differently at different ages and so on. Excessive use of the pacifier. And now you're talking about the nail biting and so on. Right. So what are some of the consequences of these behaviors? Yes. Oh, they, there are many consequences. Well, we know one of them with the kids, of course, is to be like, they can be made fun of because it's like a, a baby thing to do. So that's mm -hmm. one of the things So we don't, we don't like that. There are um, also like what happens with in the mouth, the oral development. Mm -hmm. So it can cause what we call an open bite because the finger is in between or the thumb, the thumb is in between the top teeth and the bottom teeth. And so that sucking makes the cheeks will suck in and you've got this round open bite that can occur where the thumb is. Mm -hmm. So you'll have the, with the teeth, you can also have it messing with the shape of the palate, like a thumbprint, mm -hmm. even in the palate. Mm -hmm. And so there's that, it can um, delay teeth from coming in. So there's that. It, it can um, alter the growth of the the facial um, bones and the growth in the face, mm -hmm. mouth breathing, and low tongue posture, mm -hmm. which is a lot of what I deal with as an oral facial myofunctional therapist. Yeah. Is so they become when the thumb is out of the mouth or the fingers are out of the mouth, they still breathe through their mouth, not through their nose. And again, that's another issue with the, the nose is a filter and we need that filter with especially viruses in general, but especially with COVID going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, and also it can cause speech sound errors, articulation errors, and back to the germs, any kind of germs, whatever the kids are playing with, boom, it's in the mouth. Yeah. Not good. That's a list of a few. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're talking about misshaping the roof of the mouth, the hard palate. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't been in contact with my friend in years and years, but she was a speech language pathologist and she was, oh, probably in her thirties. And she said, you know, I sucked my thumb pretty consistently, you know, until the time she was 16 years of age. And she said, I mm -hmm. kind of goofed up the roof of my mouth. Do you want to see it? And she opened her mouth and I peered in and there was the imprint of a thumb and it was like skewed off to one side. And that was where she wow. pressed, literally pressed her thumb on the roof of her mouth and it conformed around her thumb. It's amazing, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, I know that you know, you're talking about tongue resting position and so on and mm -hmm. with the thumb basically nailing the, the tongue to the floor of the mouth, you know, and especially in young years, I have heard that it just impacts the tongue's ability to elevate to the top developmentally and for it to elevate to the top and learn to rest there. And of course, that's where we make most of our speech sounds. And I'm not talking about smashed up to the roof of the mouth, but it does, speech sounds are made as research supports, made up within that dental arch. Absolutely. So yeah, that can impact all of that. Okay. So is there anything else within the uh, causes or the consequences that you'd like to share before we move on to some of our other um, areas like treatment? I think that's great for now. All right. Well, then let's just jump in. And I'm sure that most people have tuned in to hear, well, what do you do about it? <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yes. And I know that sometimes it's not just a decision that we as therapists make or we as parents make. And sometimes the kid has perhaps another view on it. <laughs> you know, does that impact things? Uh, you know, Maybe you might want to talk with us about that. Absolutely. Well, we, right. A parent or the, the speech pathologist may think that it's the right time to start an intervene and treatment to eliminate the oral behaviors. Mm -hmm. But 
you can't force it. You have to have buy-in. You mm-hmm. have to have some motivation. You have to have some reason that that the kids will be like, okay, I, I want to do this. Oftentimes they will say, I want to stop, but I can't, or I want to stop and I don't know how. And so that's a good sign. Right. You also have to make sure that it is the right time in the child's life. Hmm. So here in right now with the COVID makes this a difficult situation. We know that we need to help kids all the time, but especially now to stop um, these oral habits. However, it's extremely stressful right now. And they, the research is you don't want to try to eliminate or take this away during a stressful time. You don't want to start it when you're making a big move. You don't want to start it when there's a divorce happening. You don't want to start it when the, the kid's starting a new school, anything like that. So um, you also want to make sure that the kid's are old enough to know cause and effect or begin to understand that. So what I tell my parents to start with is let's talk about it. Let's talk about the thumb, what it's doing, why we want it to stay out of the mouth. There are tons and tons of books to start reading to the kids or have them read to you about it. And so I give my parents a list of the books to read with their children as you're starting to start the process. Do you have some of those books there that you'd like to share? I do. I do. I would love to. I would love to. So one of them is written by a um, psychologist and she uh, bases on about her son. It's called David Decides About Thumb Sucking. So that's a really good one. And then, and some of these are for different age groups. There's another one called Thumbs Up Brown Bear, Mm -hmm. really cute little book. And then the Bernstein Bears and the Bad Habit. (laughs) So that's a really cute one. And some of these are long. And so you can, it's a long story about it. Others are short. Um, Thumb Love is another one. Thumb Love. And the little bear who sucked his thumb. And two more that I like, I can do it. I don't need my thumb. And Dana's finger is set free. Ooh, what's the last one? It's called Dana's finger is set free. D-A-N-A apostrophe S. Okay. Because I yes. bet there are people that are going to be writing these down and going on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or somewhere to check them out. Yes. And what I like about that one at the end is it talks about fingers because there are kids who suck their fingers instead of their thumbs. Mm-hmm. So that that targets the finger. So not leaving the fingers out mm-hmm. of the equation. <laughs> okay. You know what? I, I was sitting here thinking, especially during the quarantine time and, you know, this whole, you know, lifestyle that we've sort of, sort of adapted Mm -hmm. to, you know, one of the things that I keep reading is our routines are, have changed, (laughs) you know, or, or let's just say our routine is, is shot. (laughs) We don't have our normal routine anymore. So people are suggesting to create and generate a new alternative routine. So I'm thinking that, yes, this is a stressful time, but also it may be that some parents actually have more time with their kids at home than they did before. And that as that routine is, is established and things start to even out a bit, that perhaps addressing thumb sucking or finger sucking or nail biting might be a smart thing to do at this point in time. I agree. Absolutely agree. Because you're exactly right. When you have to be able to be very present, especially during the first 24 to 48 hours and the first week when you're trying to go through this elimination program with your, with your kids. And it's what, what do we have right now? We've been at home, staying sheltered at home in places and you have time. You're with your children. You can develop a different routine and like you said, a new routine. And this, it's a, it is in that other 
on the other hand, a perfect time to do it. Absolutely. All right. And I think starting off with like reading the books, like and and talking to your child about it is is a great way part make this part of the routine you know, and introducing it, but you're exactly right. Okay. Is there any one book, because I know you're not selling these, you're just recommending them as an experienced therapist working with parents and kids who have oral habits. Is there one or maybe two of the books that you like better than the others or that's more appropriate? Or does it just just depend on the age of the child and the situation? Or, you know, how do we get, we can't get all the books, (laughs) obviously. Right. It depends. I, I like to have the kids pick out the books as well. Ah. Like when, when you were able to go to the library more easily, you can um, bring a few home and see which of the ones appeal to your child or the situation. I often, I have them in my office and then I let the kids check them out too. So that's another when you're in, if you have a couple of them, or you can have the kids find one and, and bring it to you. You can also, I've done it that way. So it just depends what resonates with the child or what resonates with the parent that thinks it might with their child. Okay. And there are more than just these on the list. These are just happen to be the ones I have. Okay. Well, going mm-hmm. to the library, huh? I didn't even think of that. Yeah, exactly. I'm so focused mm-hmm. on online stuff. Isn't that awful? Um, but I love going to the library. And mm-hmm. a lot of libraries have kids' sections. And um, and I bet a lot, of them, a lot of them have it. Or even maybe even going to a bookstore, you know, when we can all get out and go visit places. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Okay. Or just go to Amazon and read all the reviews. You know, that's what we all do. Absolutely. Okay. So um, we're talking basically about motivation right now with a child, right? Absolutely. Uh, You know, since we're in this and there are children that say, yes, I would love to quit. And yes, I can see that my teeth are moving because of it. Or I can, you know, yeah, I played, you know, listened to myself on that tape recorder or that, that recording or that video that my mom made, you know, with her phone. And yes, I can hear that speech problem. So yes, and I know that my thumb is impacting my tongue and I want to quit. But what about, do you have any tricks up your sleeve for that kid that's just, no, <laughs> I don't want to quit. I like it. So with with those kids, if I've, I had an experience with a, a child like this before, with he came to see me as um, an oromai functional kiddo and because the dentist orthodontist had sent him uh-huh. and as part of our treatment plan the first thing you want to try to do is eliminate the oral habit because if you're working on tongue position up against the palate and you're they're still sucking their thumb it's like counter to what you're you're trying to do um, so it's like elevate the tongue. No, the tongue, the, the thumb is in the mouth. So it's not going to be working most of the time. So in this case, I just decided and I knew with this kiddo that I needed to wait, needed to wait and just keep talking about it every week, every time we would, how's it going? All right, we're going to address this thumb sucking later. And we just moved into trying to get his tongue positioned trying to work on the S sounds. And in all honesty, it lasted for two years before he stopped. Mm. And we still were making progress with the dentition going into place. He had braces on. We were still making progress with millimeters of changes. He was making some progress with his S sounds. He was sort of working. He was working towards getting the tongue position right. He had experienced a severe trauma. And when the trauma happened, the thumb went in his mouth at age two. So we had a long, long way. So what I would recommend is just keep mentioning it, keep talking about it. And eventually something will change and the kiddo will say, I'm ready. Let's try it now. Mm. That's that's my, I mean, if I can try this for two years and it finally happens, you just, just keep at it. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and a lot of, I'm going to say damage can happen during that time, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the heart tissue and the speech and so on. But um, have you ever, you know, maybe had that child and parent, you know, that is just not set on changing right now? Have you ever maybe had them talk with a child and parent who has changed? Oh, that's a great idea. I honestly, I have not done that. But that like a good, like um, mentor sort of, that's a great idea, Shar. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, even to have a, a Zoom meeting, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> in this time, mm-hmm. you know, an online meeting of parents and kids and you and maybe talking about it and a child that went through the program, so to speak, uh, and came out at the other end successful and is now uh, very happy with not sucking his thumb mm-hmm. and now maybe he's had braces and so, you know, you know what I'm saying. So somebody that maybe has been through it yes, and uh, letting that other child know that, yeah, they can do it and that there are some really positive things that happen as a result. I don't know. That just sort of came to me. I thought, well, maybe that would be a good thing to do. I agree. And you know what else I was thinking? When as when I'm doing this elimination uh, treatment, um, the first week or at least 48 hours, I'm making contact with the child every day. And so I was thinking about now, how could this be done if we're trying to do this in a, a school setting? Like, how mm-hmm. could this be done? I had the same thought of you is, you know how in schools they'll have like the older child, uh, older child that kind of mentors a kindergartner mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. something like that. And I was like, so what if they had the buddy, like the thumb buddy or something like that, where that student would check in with the younger child? Like, how did it go? You know, encouraging. And, and in the same line, it's like, what if it was someone who had sucked their thumb or their finger and they really understood it? Great. So let's get into the treatment. And I'm sure that there are a variety of things that can be done, um, all the way from perhaps devices to, I know there's a lot of stuff out there that you can paint on your thumb and fingers. I don't know if that works. Right. There are um, intraoral things that can be inserted into the mouth by uh, a pediatric dentist or an orthodontist. Um, and then there's the therapy that you, uh, a speech therapist slash oral facial myologist can do. Sort of lay some of this on us and maybe the pros and cons and the procedures, if you would. Okay. Okay. So um, as far as the oral devices, those, the orthodontist or the dentist will put those in. And if they they can be a helpful deterrent. Like it's a blocker it's something that they can feel the kids can feel if there's not training going on with it at the same time, as far as what you're supposed to do with your tongue, um, help with eliminating the, the habits, then it's not going to most often it will not go away when the device is taken out. Mm-hmm. There are definitely reasons, and the, the orthodontist that I work with, there are definite reasons why they need to put them in, but they also, the ones that do this, know that's not going to take care of it on its own. Uh, and there are some those stances that absolutely last resort, which I understand that as well. I, I tend to be um, taking each child different, you know, each situation's different and uh, that piece. But yes, those are those. They're also the um, something that children can put on their fingers or their thumbs, even down to like you can order these um, Etsy or Amazon. It's like a fabric that's put on. Mm-hmm. And and so the kids, if they go to put their fingers or their thumb in the mouth, that there's the fabric there. And it's like, oh, it's a reminder. So all sorts of reminders are really can be helpful. There's also one that... Um, I think it's like it stops the elbow from going into the, you can't go into the mouth. So it's kind of like a splint that's on the elbow. 
And so there's that, those kind of pieces that um, can be used down to like putting a Band-Aid on the thumb, an ACE bandage. So there are any of these little things that can like make the child go, oh yeah, there's that reminder. I'm not supposed to do that. Those work. Are you talking about an ACE bandage? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It alerts them that their arm is bending and that their thumb is coming and that they have an opportunity to not do that. They can make a decision. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Right. As long as the kids won't take them off and they're, they're, they're in on this, like, yeah, we're going to do this, then those can be very helpful. And then there are other things like I have, um, like kind of a list of things that like a, what we call like a busy box. So there's a busy box and it has things that the kids can keep their hands busy with um, when they might want to be sucking their thumb or their fingers. So they can go and grab their busy box. There's fidget toys. There could be arts and crafts in there. There can be silly putty. There's that slimy goo stuff, anything um, textured fabrics and things like that, anything that the kids can play with. I also use something too, as the kids are weaning themselves off of this addiction-like habit, they can have a really rough time the first couple of days. So I, there's something called, I call it calm down box. Mm-hmm. And so I have the kids, they decorate this little box and it has pictures in there about maybe how they're feeling. It has something in there that will make them calm down. It could have like music, something they play music with, whatever will help the child calm down. And each of this program is often tailored to a specific child. Mm -hmm. You've got these kind of things, but it's like the moms or the kids can help you figure out what goes in that busy box, what goes in that calm down box. Okay. Um, yes, yes. And um, I also, trying to keep their mouths busy is another thing. So you know, we know about the chewy tubes and the jewelry and anything, um, the what are the, those things you put on the racers that, you know, something that the kids are chewing gum, anything to keep their mouth busy, water handy with a, with a cup, um, popsicles, anything that they can put in their mouth instead of the thumb or the fingers. That's good to have on hand. Okay. And yes. Um, oh, uh, the other thing is like, I have the kids um, tell me their favorite songs. And then humming. So if they hum, mm -hmm, that gives some sensation in the oral cavity, something, some feeling there, but it's not the thumb going in the mouth. Okay. So you're talking about alternatives. Mm -hmm. We've gone from devices put in the mouth mm -hmm. by dentists, orthodontists, etc., to devices that say, here, the thumb is coming, you have an opportunity to not suck it, um, to something that covers the thumb. Right. And I know a lot of people, you know, paint the, the adversive stuff, and sometimes it's the hot stuff, the cayenne mm -hmm. pepper stuff that mm -hmm. go on. You know, I don't know. And, and I've just heard that some kids will lick that off, and then they get to the prize, and there you go. You know, as far as other restrictions, I have heard, you know, especially if the child does it at night, and this is something I want to talk about, like, are there certain times that, or events during the day that kind of trigger the, the thumb sucking? I want to talk about that too. But um, as far as restricting thumb sucking, I've heard of, of people sewing the child's pajamas, you know, the, at the sleeves down by the cuff part, where sew that part together so they can't literally get their handout. I've heard of that too, that kind of restriction. Um, let's move into, are there children that just suck their thumb, say in the morning or when they're watching TV or maybe when they're in the car or maybe just at night? And how do we deal with that? And do we deal differently with those situations? Yes. So yes, there are kids that have certain times that they will do it. Like you said, watching TV they also have what we can um, call like 
their treasured object or a, a association, like they associate thumb sucking with a blanket. Mm. And so they, whenever that blanket is around, the thumb goes in the mouth. So that's a piece and that has to be dealt with separately or differently. Um, this is one of the hardest parts of the treatment and how, when parents will be like, mm, I need to wait a little bit, or I know I need to wait, is you need to separate the child and that object mm-hmm. or the child from the object. The best way that I've been taught and, and know is you have that object put away where they can see it, but they don't have complete access to it all the time. They can't go and grab it and go sit down and and suck their thumb and go with their blankie or take it to bed with them. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're not talking about taking it away, but how do you do that? Do you put it in a, in a see-through bag or do you put it up on a shelf? Is that what you're talking? I mean, yes. I'm I'm kind of thinking the, uh, it's kind of there and, and maybe a visual temptation. Does that work? Have you done that kind of thing? So I have done it. It does work. You can, they can check it out, quote unquote, like you go to the library and you can check it out and you can have it, but supervise and, and not once you get past a point, a little bit past a point, but most often if the child knows it's there, it's not being taken away specifically from them. They can see it on the shelf or it's in the room, but they can't reach it. It's more, it it works better that way. I found that it does. Okay. So what are you talking about specifically? Now you said, go to the library. Are we talking about a specific book? That's a trigger. Oh, so no, like they can go to like, they can check out their blanket. Like you can check out a book at the library. Ah, gotcha. Yes. So you check, yes, you check out and have a little bit of time with it. You borrow it and then you have to give it back to the shelf. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. Oh, that could be done with lots of things, huh? Yes. And like you said, yes, in a see-through box or something or high on a shelf where they see it because you don't want to cause more anxiety by, okay, we're, we're getting rid of it. No. That does not help mm-hmm. in most cases. Mm-hmm. So do you advocate doing that like with a pacifier? Yes, I would. W- what do you think about the pacifier piece? You wrote a book about pacifiers, you know. So what do you think that if, if, if a four-year-old has a pacifier, I think the shelf maybe. <laughs> Yeah, definitely the shelf. Yeah, pacifiers, Mm -hmm. from what I know and, you know, and remember about pacifiers is that pacifier sucking after, I'm going to say, 18 months to two years definitely falls more into the abnormal category. Mm -hmm. And it can do damage mostly, and this is borne out in research, mostly to the dental arch and the hard palate, Uh, not so much to the front teeth that the pacifier is mostly um, responsible for heavy-duty sucking, right. cheeks compress against the upper bone you know, that the teeth are housed in, and uh, you get a collapse of one or both sides. So that can be not so good because then if it collapses a lot, then you have difficulty just, you know, scrunching your tongue up in there to generate your speech sounds and so on. So, yeah, I think that idea of checking out a pacifier every once in a while and but still being able to see it and being proud of yourself for not sucking it would be a, a logical idea. I don't know. What do you think? I, I do. I do, too, especially with the older kids. I, I remember I, um, I gave up my pacifier for Christmas. That's what I did with mine. Oh, you remember this, huh? I do. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. I didn't know that piece. Interesting. Yes. So I, I gave it to um, Santa with the cookies. Ah, I love it. Mm -hmm. And what did you think about and how did your parents encourage you to do that? Was it something that you thought 
this is a kind thing to do and I'll sacrifice for Santa or, you know, what do you remember? Yes. That's what I remember. It was, it was given, it was, uh, presented to me that way. And you give Santa cookies and he, so I was like, why not give Santa my pacifier? I was like, oh, sure. Okay. I'll do it. Yeah. Very agreeable. <laughs> oh, very, you're a treasured object to see. And that says a lot about your, your very giving, helpful character too. Mm-hmm. And it started back then. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Right. Well, I love that idea of just having it visible, whatever it is, mm-hmm. the associated object, maybe the blanket or a stuffed animal or something, or maybe even the pacifier and having it nearby and visible and then checking it out. Yeah. Keep going. I love this. Yeah. What else have you got for us as far as extinguishing techniques? Okay. Hand lotion huh. is one of the things that I have the, the parents have on hand it, for two things. One is it can, you can use it to massage the hands. You put hand lotion on, it's not going to, it's going to not feel and taste the same as, as your thumb. And it, for use of the nighttime routine is like you um, brush your teeth, you wash your hands, you put lotion on, and then you put the glove on mm-hmm. or the sock on or the dad shirt that we wrap around, you know, and then we keep on. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it, you were talking about routines earlier. That's part of the, the new nighttime routine. You add that in. And so the parents can spend that extra time and rub their um, children's hands like you're, you know, going to do great tonight. Lots of positive, positive uh, reinforcement from parents is very useful. And that's a really good time, especially if nighttime is difficult when kids use it to soothe themselves at night. Mm-hmm. So you've got kids that suck their thumb frequently at night. What other times do they tend to do it? Or is there like a pattern that kids take? Or is it haphazard or is it just every child does something different? So I think it's different. I think a lot of times when there's TV, when watching TV um, and having the blanket and the thumb goes in, when they're tired, if they're upset or cranky, but a lot of, you know, there, there tends to be like a certain time, like they'll only do it. The parents will tell me they'll only do it when they watch TV. They'll only do it at night. They'll only do it in the car. And so that's when you need to have busy hands. You need to have distractions. You need to have um, beef up this uh, support for the elimination that you're doing during those times that you know that your child does that. It's very important to have a good questionnaire to ask these questions to the parents. Okay. Like, when does this happen? You know, describe how it, what it looks like physically. What is, you know, is it this finger? Is it the thumb? And describe when it happens, like what time during the day or what time at night. When you know that you can help guide what happens during those times. Yeah. You know, usually in speech therapy, we are interacting a lot with the child and then some with the parent. Mm-hmm. Do you work a lot with the parent on this type of thing and some with the child? Or how does that balance out? Yes. So uh, up front, there's a lot of work with the parent. So once they contact me, I will have a, a call them and ask them, like there's a questionnaire and I will ask them to tell me everything they can about how it, when it started, when it happens, if the child feels like they are ready to stop. So I, I get all this, almost like an interview with the parent. And so, and then I will tell them like about what needs to happen, like having the treasured object go away. And so they know that that's going to happen. What, um, what they need to, um, like what the, like a, a thumb contract, a contract that you and your child mm. write t- together and sign and what's going to happen. I talked to them about how you need to maintain routine. Also, not um, your child's going to act up and tell, prepare them about that and, and help them know how to handle that. 
so that they're still being the parent and they're still being supportive that I know this is hard for you. You're doing a great job. And so they use a lot of I statements and praise. If the child decides to try to say, well, if, if I can't do that, then I'm going to suck my thumb ah. so that the parent knows ahead, just in case they get sucked into it, that it's not about them. It's about their child and the thumb. It's not, they can't blame the parent or or get worked into that. So I talked to them about that. Oh, yeah. What do you do with that one when you have this little manipulator? <laughs> what do you do with that? Right. I tell them to be empathetic, but firm if the child is misbehaving during this process. And if they're doing this threat, stand your ground as you normally would, and the child uh, just won't get the sticker or the point for that. And you just move on and go on to the next time that you're looking for the sticker or the point to happen. Okay. So you kind of validate the kid's feelings or so to speak. Yes. But then you remain on topic Mm -hmm. and with your expectations as to what you want the child to do or not do. Okay. Right. Okay. I think, yeah. And that's called parenting, isn't it? Right. It's (laughs) called parenting. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-mm. And this is no different than that um, in some ways, but this is more intensive because it really is in many cases meeting an emotional kind of, um, uh, as you said at the very beginning, kind of a neurological need. Right. Good. What else have you got for us as far as talking with the parents and so on? So I I tell the parents that when you start the first 24 to 48 hours, you need to make sure that you can be very present with that child. So start it on a weekend or two days that you don't, you're not at work and and you're focusing, you can focus on your child, keep them busy with games and activities and, and that, and really just be there physically with them and mentally and emotionally with them at during this period. And like, again, I tell them they're going to act out for this first period of time and just know that's going to happen. And the system for rewards and um, getting your stickers on your chart, this is all laid out. So it's very clear with the parent and with the child so that there's no wishy-washy about it. So that makes it easier too. So I lay all that out with the parent and making sure that every bit of this, the parent is on board with. There's nothing that they are skeptical about or like, we can't do this yet. And many times I go through this, this talk with the parents and like, okay, we're almost there, but we're not quite there yet. I will contact you when we are. And that's exactly what I want them to do. It's like a big team. Everybody has to be on board. Okay. Mm -hmm. So are you talking about... I'm stopping now, boom, I'm not going to do it. Or are you talking about a hierarchical approach where the kid can suck his his thumb for, you know, three minutes at a sanctioned time, or do you just stop it? And how does the the chart work with the stars and so on? Okay. So I do, I do the approach of just stop. Okay. And um, that's, I find that that works better. And honestly, with the setup, the way that I do, and uh, all of us do when we're starting this, that, that work in oral habits, if you do your background and your back work with the parents, then when you start with the child and you meet with the child, you're ready to start running. And, and they are too. You have prizes. Oh my goodness, rewards. And you talk about this, like the kid gets little um, each time. Like, so the first chart is going to be for 48 hours. Morning midday and nighttime. Okay. Okay. So they, they didn't suck in the morning. Boom. They get a sticker right there on this chart that you made, the kids made, they made together. Boom. Here's your prize. And the first prizes need to be very similar um, and little tiny prizes because you're going to give them out a lot. Okay. Also, you give lots of praise and hug. Wow. You were upset and you didn't suck your thoughts. So lots of those praises to happen. Right. And so often, to, and then I, when I'm the, uh, the 
I'm kind of, I'm the middle person or the one that's kind of in charge of this. Like, it's like, I'm telling the parent and the kids, I, I'm telling the parents what to do. I'm telling the kids, okay, this is how we're going to do it. So it's like, it takes the parents off of being like the in charge because the professional is in charge, but the, the parents are just carrying it out. I tell them like, I'm the coach, they're the assistant coach and you're the team player. And we're mm-hmm. all on this team together. Mm-hmm. And so the kid, they, they like that. Um, yeah. And so, um, so I, I will, I will do that. Um, so that, and if there's a little slip up, it's okay. You know, it's okay. We don't, we don't, if it goes in and they pull it out, Hey, that's okay. You stopped it. That's fine. But the like sitting there and sucking it. No, it's, well, it's like, we'll get it next time. That's okay. Okay. So that's the first, and I know our time is running thin here, but that's the first 24 or 48 hours, right? So yes. then do they contact you and say, what's the next step here, coach? So I'm, I'm in constant contact every day for the first week and the kids get to decide, do they want to text me? Do they want to call me? Do they want to send me a video? Do they want to send me an email? They get to decide what they want to do as much as that we give them the choice. I, I can't, I do as much as I can. Right. Then you go by the week. Okay. So week one, seven stickers, prize. Week two, seven stickers, prize. And so then you get to a bigger prize and then, you know, you go six weeks, another prize, and then big party. Okay. <laughs> sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, and that sounds like a, a conclusion, actually. This has been fascinating. This has been very helpful, Tricia. And um, I bet there are people that would like to get in touch with you. And also, I know a little birdie told me that you have a new website uh, coming up that's yes. in the works, or maybe it's done. Yes. Um, but give us all of your contact information, if you would. Okay. So um, my email is trisha.h.rogers at outlook.com. And my website is trishahrogers.com. And I'm also um, opening up an Instagram account too. So you can find me on Instagram, trisha.h.rogers.slp. And so that's going to be new and different. I'm going to do tips and, and videos and things like that. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, That'll be a lot ooh, of fun. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Good. Oh, I love that. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, you are just, you have no time, do you? <laughs> <laughs> just like you. Exactly. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for spending your time with us and for your great information. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Tricia. Thank you, Shar. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the speech link. Please check out my other offerings at my website, charvoshart.com, and also speechtherapypd.com. See you next time for more interviews, information, and insights. Until then, thank you so much for all that you do with your speech kids. Be well, and God bless.